You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Tonight, I wanted to take some time and share with you uh, some thoughts that I've got around this topic of a matter of conversation. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a talker. You know, for those of you that I haven't met, uh, you know, you, you'll understand that. So the idea of a conversation, you know, is something I find quite easy. You know, I've got some friends who don't find it as easy, but they're pretty lucky. They've got a friend like me who does. So, you know, I hold the conversation for both of us, which is fantastic. But, uh, you know, I want to share tonight on this idea of who's coming to dinner. And the idea behind it is the power of an invitation. So come on, we're going to pray and then we're going to get into it tonight. Father God, I just pray that you would be with us tonight. Father, I thank you for an incredible series that is asking us to think beyond ourselves. It is asking us to to engage and to, Father, absolutely walk out our purpose on this earth. And that is to make people known, to make you known, Father God. And I just pray right now that you would be with us tonight, that you would come across every word that is spoken, that, Father, you would speak through me tonight, that people would walk out of this place challenged and inspired about how good a God you are and how they can share it with those in their world, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, as much as I'm good at conversation, I also love food. I I love to eat. I can't help it. I love a good restaurant. I love a good cafe. I love to to engage with everyone that's going on there. And, And one of my things that I love is shared meals, you know, like shared food. Who, who likes, who's a, who's a shared food person? Wow, okay. So this is interesting, right? Because when I moved to New Zealand, I just thought it was a thing that people like to do. You know, you go to a restaurant, you get a bunch of dishes, it goes on the table, and, and it's like, man, this is incredible. I love it. We can all share a bit. I soon realized that not everyone is wired like that. You know, some people like the idea of going to a restaurant and, and ordering off the menu and it comes and, and it's, it's theirs, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but what if I want to try some of that? Like, what if I want to, you know, just, just have a little taste, uh, you know, just have a little, uh, you know, just, just a little bit off the side. I mean, I don't want to get food envy and I can't order everything. So the idea is that when we go out, I love to just order everything. My wife now, just she just says, just order whatever you want. When we go out with people, I'm like, okay, so this is what we're going to have tonight. You know, like, I've, I've already decided. They're like, you just sat down. I'm like, yeah, but I just know. Like, I've just skimmed the menu. Here's all my favorite dishes. You can partake or not. But what I've realized is that not everybody likes that. And I'll never forget one of the first years that we were here in New Zealand, and we went out for dinner with some really good friends of ours. And we invited him to dinner, and I was really excited. And we went out to one of my favorite restaurants that I've been to a couple of times. And we sat down, and we got the menu. And the waiter comes over, and they were like, hey, uh, have you dined with us before? And I was like, yeah, I'm so excited. It's my birthday. You know, just drop that in there. You never know what you're going to get. It's going to be awesome. But, you know, it's my birthday. And, you know, but they haven't been. Can you explain how the menu works? Yeah? And in this moment, I'm thinking, they're going to be so pumped. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. And the waiter says, well, you know, like we're a rustic Italian place. And in the true tradition of Italy, we love to share food. Well, I look across the table at my really good mate and his face just goes blank. Like, sorry, what do you mean? 
what do you mean we're sharing? And I was like, well, you know, like that's part of the experience of this place and it's really cool. And, and he just like looks at me and he's like, well, hold on a minute. But what I, 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 and his wife looks at him and she says, it's Nick's birthday. You can share. It'll be okay. Because she liked to share food, but he was the type of guy that was like, no, 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 I actually want to keep it for myself. And as I reflect on this particular moment, and since then, I've taught him how to become a share food person. However, what I absolutely love about this and what I'm reminded often is that it's really easy sometimes to get caught up and endamored with what we love. And it's really easy to look at something through the lens of what we're trying to get out of it. You see, when it comes to our Christianity, that's not how God designed it. That's not how God wanted it to be. God wanted us to go through life and experience all that God has for us so that we are able to share it with others. We're able to create an experience for people that they are able to engage with the God who loves them in a way that we may never be able to do or they may never be able to experience just by themselves. You see, what I love is that Pastor Paul has been challenging us in this series about what our mission is. Our mission is to know him and to make him known. You see, Christianity was never for ourselves. The grace that God extended to us was never just for us to hold back. But sometimes we can go through life and we can go through life like we are embracing a dinner feast with many people. We can get to the table and we can say, oh, well, I really like this. I would like this. I want this for myself. But God says, no, no, no. I want you to experience all that I have. And all that I have comes from community that you're able to share it with. And as we go through life and we understand and we unpack the way Jesus lived, it becomes very clear that Jesus loved to feast with friends. It becomes very clear that Jesus loves to feast with friends. And as I began to think about it, I thought, you know what? Most people eat for three times a day, right? You know, give or take. Sometimes, you know, I eat a few more snacks. You know, three o'clock in the afternoon gets me most days of the week, you know. But, you know, traditionally about three times a, a, a day. Do you know, if you multiply that out over the year, that's 1,095 times that we get to eat. We can look at that and say, well, that's a lot of times, but we can also look at it and say, that's over 1,000 times that we have an opportunity to share with someone and create an experience and an opportunity where we can do life in community. But we're not designed just to do life in community for us. We're actually designed to do life in community for others. You know, I love the fact that Jesus, right throughout the Bible and through his time here on earth, modeled a life of invitation and conversations that led to love, truth, and grace. You see, right throughout the Bible, he used meals, he used the gathering of people, he used great feasts, he used foods as an opportunity to open the door to the ideas and concepts that transformed the way of thinking for the time. You see, when you invite someone over for dinner, what happens? When you bring someone into your world, what traditionally happens? They come and then you open the door. And all of a sudden, what you're doing, you're not just opening the door to your house. You're opening them into your world. You're opening the door for them to enter in and to feel comfortable, a place where they can feel uh, relaxed, an environment that helps them to understand a little bit more about who you are so that you can get to know them a little bit better as well. 
You see, the thing is that everyone is on a journey. Every person in their life, everyone is on a journey. And it's up to us to discover that we are here to provide a pathway for them to walk that journey. And one of the ways that we can do that is we can create invitations to bring people into our world. We can go through life and say, well, well, my world is for me. Or we can say, well, Jesus used this incredible idea, the power of an invitation to create moments where he was able to share an incredible gospel through stories, incredible gospel through love, incredible gospel through grace and truth so that people's lives could be transformed beyond what they can see for themselves. You see, one of the things, one of the stories that I've been reading this week in preparation, as I had on my heart this concept of who's coming to dinner, is in Luke 7, 36. And it's when Jesus is invited to dinner with Simon the Pharisee. And the Bible tells this story. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I love that. I love the idea that you weren't at this, like, you know, stuffy and stiff environment. Back in the days, it was like people reclined. They were able to relax. They were in this environment where they could commune together. It says that a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So he came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then he wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, wouldn't he know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is? That she is a sinner. Yes, I began to read this story, and it's a story I've read many times before. I thought to myself, why would Jesus put himself in that position? In fact, right throughout Jesus' life, why would he put himself into environments through an invitation, either him inviting himself or someone inviting him, where he knew that controversy would follow? You see, I believe Jesus did this because he understood the power of an invitation and the doors that it opens. You see, invitations open the door to conversations. Invitations open a door to a conversation that you can have. Have you ever been invited to someone's house for dinner? There is something really powerful about an invitation. This week on Friday night, Shaz and I were hanging out with some friends and a couple of weeks ago, we were chatting with them and we were talking, they were telling us about, they get a few people together on a Friday night and they love to hang out and they said to us, would you like to come? And I've got to be honest, I'm a pretty secure guy, like I like my friends, I've got good friends, but there was something really special about an invitation. I didn't really know this couple particularly well. We got to know them a little bit over the last couple of months, but I had never really spent any good quality time with them. And all of a sudden, this invitation came for us to come into their home. They said, why don't you come on over? It'll be great. There's this other couple coming, and we'll have a great night. It'll be fantastic. And I remember the sense of excitement that came with that invitation oh man, you know, like what's going to happen? I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't even know anything about it. That's just my nature, you know, extrovert nature going, oh, what am I going to bring to the conversation? You know, like, but I remember on Friday night, I was really tired. It had been a really big week. And I said to Shaz, you know, should we go? And she says, yes, we're going. My wife's a bit of an introvert. So when she says we're going, I'm like, winning. 
Okay, you know, like, I got to put my big boy pants on and off we go. And I remember we got to their house and I was so nervous about going into this environment. Not that I was nervous about being there, but I was, it was a nervous excitement about what's going to take place tonight. What are we going to discover about this couple that we may not have known? What kind of conversations were we going to have? And as it turns out, we had an incredible night and we talked about all the different things about our life and they got to discover a little bit more about us. And we got to ask them questions about how they met and, and where they came from out of Auckland and how they got to move here. And they were asking the same thing. And it was really incredible because it all started with an invitation that opened a door to an incredible conversation that has led to the start of what is a great relationship and friendship with this couple. Who are you prepared to make an invitation to that God may open a door to a conversation? You see, David Wyatt, an author, said this. He said, a real conversation always contains an invitation. You're inviting another person to reveal herself or himself to you, to tell you who they are and what they want. It's really interesting that when you extend an invitation, what people will want to share with you. When you're prepared to step out and ask someone to come into your world, it doesn't necessarily have to be into your home. It might just be out for a coffee. It might be an invitation to a conversation about a particular topic. It's really interesting that people, what they will want to share with you. I recently did a coaching course. I wanted to learn how to ask better questions and a whole bunch of stuff like that and be more of an active listener. You know, I'm, my nature is like, I'm not very good at listening. So, you know, I thought, well, you know, here's a great idea. I'll do a course that'll teach me how to be an active listener. Turns out it takes a lot of concentration to sit there and listen to someone. You know, I also validated the fact that in, my per in the way I'm wired, I'm very much like, oh, squirrel, you know, like, oh, something's going on over there. So I often find that when I'm listening to someone, I have to pay a lot of attention. But one of the things that I learned in this coaching course was this, is that you actually need to show genuine curiosity. When you're asking questions, ask with the nature of, man, I'm actually genuinely interested in what you're telling me. And what I've discovered since doing this course is this, is that if you take a genuine interest in someone, it's amazing what they will open up and reveal to you. It's amazing that you can break down barriers, you can break down walls. It's just like an invitation into your home. When you open that door and someone walks through, a wall is immediately broken. A barrier is immediately crossed and people will genuinely want to open up and begin to share with you. You see, our role is to make people feel welcome and accepted so that they will let down these barriers and allow true, real conversation to happen. But how does it start? It starts with an invitation. It starts with the concept of putting yourself out there just a little bit and not wanting to hoard everything to yourself, but out of a genuine place of curiosity. Say, you know what? I would love to know a little bit more about you. I love to go to coffee shops and cafes and we've got a great cafe that we love to frequent near our house and I used to walk down there when we lived a little bit closer uh, most days and I got to know the, the people that owned it. And it was really interesting that every time I went in, how every time I had an opportunity to ask them something a little bit more. And the more I got to know them, the more I discovered that I wanted to get to know them more. 
I wanted to discover and unpack how their world was wired, what they were all about, how they did life and what was going on. But at some point, it had to go from me standing across the counter to a place of me saying, hey, you know what? I would love to actually hang out with you. Would you like to grab a coffee, ironically, with me and so we can have a bit more of a chat? And it was really interesting that as you put out the invitation, all of a sudden I began to discover so much about their world. I began to find myself in a place where I was able to use an invitation to start a conversation. But it didn't just start stop there. You see, the conversation then opened a door to the opportunity to show love, grace, and truth to somebody else. You see, it starts with an invitation that moves to a conversation, but it's a conversation where someone begins to open up. It's a conversation where the door opens to incredible opportunities to step into their world. It's a conversation that can unpack so much of what's going on in their life that all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where they're a little bit more vulnerable with you. It's not coming from a place of wanting to know all the details. It's coming from a genuineness that says, you know what? I want you to discover what I have. I discovered that there is a God who loves me. I discovered that there is a whole future for you that you may not have got yet. There is a whole plan and purpose for your life that you think you understand. But until God intervenes and radically um, intervenes in your world, there is so much more for you. And how do I play my part in helping you discover it? I simply extend an invitation. I simply offer myself up for a conversation. And it's incredible what happens when you start to discover what happens in that conversation. You see, we're talking about this story in Luke uh, 7, and the story continues, and it says this, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed me money to have a certain money lender." One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus says. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, yet she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as, gr- as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. You know what I've discovered is that if you open yourself up to conversations with people, They begin to share with you what's really going on inside. And in that moment, we have an opportunity like Jesus. We have an opportunity where we can place judgment like the the Pharisee wanted to do on this woman. Or we have an opportunity to open a greater door to show love and grace and truth to the person that we're connecting with. We have an opportunity to truly capture a revelation of what God has done. A true revelation that God has given us ultimate love, ultimate grace, and ultimate truth. And because of that, we want to extend the same thing to to those around us. Can I encourage you today that when you're sitting in a conversation, that sometimes it's going to get a little uncomfortable. When you put yourself out there, when you put yourself in a place with someone who you don't yet know fully, or maybe someone who doesn't yet know God the way that you do, they're going to start to talk to you in a way that maybe takes you back. 
maybe puts you in a place where you feel a little uncomfortable, maybe puts you in a place where other people may be looking. But can I encourage you that 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 is the moment where you have a choice. That is the moment where you have an opportunity to step in to the way God has wired you. That is the way, that is the moment that you have an opportunity to step in to all that God has given you. And all that God has given you is love. All that God has given you is grace. All that God has given you is truth. You know, a few weeks ago, I was, I was on holidays and, and my phone rang. And it was an old mate who I haven't seen for a while. And, and I thought, that's a bit weird. So I answered the phone. And on the other end of the phone, I can hear sobbing and I can hear, hear tears. And he began to share with me something that was going on in his world. And I didn't agree with it and I didn't necessarily understand, but I remember in that moment sitting there in the car going, okay, God, how do I respond? I've extended an invitation to this guy many times and I've had great conversations and we've done a lot of life together. But, you know, I haven't seen him for a while. And in this moment, he felt comfortable enough to open the door into my world again. He felt comfortable enough to say, okay, I'm in trouble. What can I do? And in that moment, I had to make a decision. Was I going to say, mate, what you've done, oh, and just start lecturing him and lecturing him. And even though I've got to be honest, that's kind of how I felt a little bit. But instead, in that moment, I was able to stop and breathe and say, okay, God, I don't have it. I have all the answers. I don't have it all together. But you know what? I want to be here for this guy. And I remember stepping out and saying, mate, I'm here for you. I love you. I don't know how to help you exactly right now, but all I want you to know is that I'm here to care for you as best I can. I want to show you this in love. I want, to, I want to tell you that whatever you need, I'll be there. I want to tell you that no matter what, there is a love that I have for you that goes beyond any mistake that you've made or anything that's happened. And in that moment, he just took this deep sigh and began to sob again. He said to me, you know what? I knew that's why I could call you. Because there's so many people that I need to talk to, but I knew that if I called you, you would just sit with me. And I was able to pray with him, and I was able to share with him a little bit. And, but I really felt like in that moment, it's easy for me to say, well, that's not my life. I don't, you don't, shouldn't have done that. Or why did you do, do that or become quite judgmental? But the reality is that that's not how we're designed to be. That's never the way that Jesus approached a situation. That's never the way that Jesus took a conversation that went a little bit left of where he thought it was going. That's never the way that Jesus approached someone who was even coming to him. Even in that moment when he entered Simon the Pharisee's house, he knew that he was going there for a conversation that night that was going to cause some trouble for other people. He knew that it was going to be questions asked. He knew that was going to happen, yet he didn't shy away from it. Why? Because he started with the foundation of love. I love in John 15, 12, it says, this is my command, love one another the way that I have loved you. This is the very, very best way to love. You know, God went all the, Jesus went all the way to the cross for you and I. He was prepared to send his only son for you and I. That is the extent of his love for us. Therefore, we must love others in the same way. You know, I love what Pastor Paul's been sharing over this series in terms of the target. At the outset of the target, everything we're doing is designed to bring people closer to Jesus. But we've got to start somewhere. We have to start at the very outset and then love unconditionally. I love what he said even this morning. He said it's a commitment to care. 
You know, it's about us saying, okay, in this moment, how am I going to respond? Well, I'm going to respond first and foremost with love. Jesus, in that moment, responded first and foremost with love to the woman. Jesus, in that moment, when he was being questioned and challenged, said, no, 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 I will respond first and foremost with the area, with the, the love that I have for this person. And then it goes into a, a grace undeniable, the removal of judgment. You know, God's grace extends so far for us. We aren't able to judge. We shouldn't judge. We can't judge. Judgment is not for us. Judgment is for God. Judgment is for the other side of this life. Judgment is not for us. Our job is to love. Our job is to show grace. Our job is to walk people through a journey that they're on, through conversations, through moments, and moments that lead to an incredible, powerful connection where you're able to say, I am with you. There is a God who loves you. There is a God whose grace extends in every single moment. And then truth, uncompromised. I love this thought, that when you're invited, there will be a moment. If you've been prepared to journey with someone through love, through grace, there will come a moment where they invite you in and truth can be told. We can't shy away from the truth. We can't shy away from saying this is what we believe, and nor should we. But we need to wait for that moment where we can say the release of righteousness is for you. God is a holy God. God wants to encounter you. God wants to reconnect with you. He can't until we understand the sin that is in our life and we come back to Him. But it's not our place to judge. It's our place to show love, grace, and to bring truth. You know, I was at a wedding yesterday and every time I go to a wedding, in my head I think, are they going to say 1 Corinthians 13? You know? It's just like one of those things, you know, like scissors, paper, rock, all right? You know what's going to happen here. But they said this, this verse they shared is like, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every single circumstance. You know, we, we understand that that's what love is. We can't help but want to share that with others. I can't help but want to make sure that people understand that there is a God who loves them, that there is a love that endures beyond everything. There is a love that goes beyond the here and the now and into eternity. There is a love of a Savior that is crying out for people. And I love that Jesus never shied away from truth. He always started out with love, but he never shied away from the truth. You see, with love comes acceptance. With acceptance comes deeper relationship, and with deeper relationship comes the ability to speak truth and to speak life. You see, and if we do this with an open heart, love, grace, and truth open the door for relationship with Jesus. You see, when it came to my mate, my mate, my mate, my moat, my mate the other day, you know, it's interesting. I feel like if I had reacted in that moment, there would be this sense of him of saying, well, that's how all Christians react. And I'm not sitting here to say I got it all right because I probably said a few things and, you know, challenged a few thoughts in that moment. But I can sit here and say, you know what? When love, grace, and truth happens, when it happens with an open heart, it opens the door for a relationship with Jesus. Why? 
because truth brings about freedom. So if the sun, in John 8, 36, it says, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, I love the fact that we have a God who wants to express incredible truth to us. We have a God that wants to journey with us. We have a God that wants to show us incredible freedom that he already has planned for our life. You know, as the story wraps up and we see this interaction between Jesus and Simon and this woman, we see it unfold in verse 48 to 50. It says, then Jesus turns to her and he says, your sins are forgiven. The other guests begin to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, an invitation led to a conversation. An invitation to Simon's house created an environment where a conversation took place. And in this conversation, Jesus was able to show love, grace, and truth and explain to the crowd and to Simon what it actually looked like when it came to this woman. And in that moment where he was able to share it, we see this incredible picture of what Jesus does if we are prepared to step out of the way and allow him to do what he does best. There's this relationship with him. There's this connection to Jesus. You see, the myth that we have to face tonight is that we are responsible for someone's salvation. We're not. Jesus is. Our job is to discover what part of the journey a person's on and to engage with them in that moment. It's our job to invite them into our world. It's our job to invite them into a conversation about who God is. It's our job to find out where they are and say, okay, let's start a conversation. Let me explain to you what love looks like. Let me show you what grace looks like. And when the time is right, I want to open your eyes to a truth that will set you free. You see, your invitation. It opens a door to a conversation. Can I encourage you? Who have you invited into your world? Has the team come back tonight? Who have you invited into your world recently? Who have you opened the door for for a conversation? Maybe it's someone sitting next to you tonight. Maybe it's someone in church. But can I encourage you? That there's got to be people in our world. There are people in our world every single day in every sphere of influence that we have that do not yet have a relationship with Jesus, but they're waiting to start a journey. They're waiting to go on a journey to discover something more for their life, to go on a journey to discover who this person is. What is the purpose? What is the plan for their life? Our job is to say, hey, the journey has to start with an invitation. You know, I think back to 2015. We moved here in 2014, and I moved in August, and Shaz was able to move over in December, and it was a really interesting three months for us. We started coming to life, and, and, I, and I love this church with all my heart, but we found it really hard to connect at the start. I sit back now, and I think, man, I walk around the foyer always looking for that person who's kind of hovering because I remember what that was like for me. But I remember the first three months as we got to meet different people and we got to engage with them. And I remember in January of 2015, this incredible moment happened. Someone walked into the foyer who I knew from many, many years ago and saw Shaz and I. And they said, hey, I'd love to introduce you to some friends. They didn't live here anymore, but they said, hey, we want to introduce you to these great couples and hopefully you can get to connect. And we got chatting to them and it was really great. And all of a sudden, this invitation came to go to dinner. 
And I remember that moment just like I did a couple of days ago when we got invited to someone's house. There was this sense of nervous excitement about what we were about to experience. But I also remember this feeling of finally feeling like I felt like I was gonna belong somewhere. I felt like the journey I was about to undertake with this couple, I didn't know what was gonna happen. We may have gone to dinner, the food might've been terrible, the conversation might've been horrific, and you know, that might've been the end of it. But we ended up having a great night. They invited us to their connect group, and once again, another invitation which opened the door to more conversations with more people. And out of that, we then began to discover a bit more about who we were, and we discovered more about what life was all about, and we began to find our place. And then someone came along beside us and said, hey, would you like to join our team and serve alongside us? Another invitation which was able for us to connect in once again. And I sit back and I think about where we are today, five years on. And I think about the friends we've got. I think about that particular couple who are now our closest friends that we have here in Auckland. And I think, what would have happened if they never had have extended an invitation? What would have happened if they hadn't have been, they had have been the type of people who were like, you know what, I just want to look at the menu and choose for myself. I just want to go to a restaurant and pick something that only I can eat. Instead, they said, no, 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 come and share a feast with us. Come and share everything that's part of our world. Let's tell me, let me tell you about our kids. Let me tell you about our journey. Let me talk to you about what we've been going through. Why? Because as we create invitations, we expose ourselves to incredible conversations. And when we get in conversations, we have an opportunity to show love and truth and grace to people who may never have seen it, may never have experienced it. And we get a front row seat to the journey that God has got them on. You know, I love the, the proverb, it says this. It says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one simple step. That step for us tonight is an invitation. It's an invitation to someone in your workplace. It's an invitation to, to a student, maybe a friend at university. Maybe you're in high school and it's the person you've been sitting next to all year in the same class over and over again. Maybe it's now your time to take that first step for them on their journey towards a God who loves them, towards a relationship with a Jesus who gave everything so that they might come into relationship with Him. To a father who's standing there with open arms saying, I can't wait for them to cross the door, to open the door, to walk the journey to me. I am waiting. Why? Because all it takes is an invitation. You may look at this person and think, there is no way that they will ever be sitting in church with me. But if we never ask, will we ever know? If we never open the door to a conversation, will we ever discover that they need love, that they need grace, that they need a truth that will set them free? Because when they discover that, there is a relationship with Jesus waiting for them on the other side of the doorway. It's just a matter of conversation. It's just a matter of putting ourselves out there. But sometimes we get ruled by fear. Sometimes we get ruled by anxiety. Sometimes we get ruled by all of these things that can hold us back. Tonight, can we be bold enough to say, yeah, I could start a conversation. I could, I could extend an invitation. Yeah, I could, I could take someone for a coffee. Yeah, I could, I could open up my world a little bit. 
I could begin to share about my journey and where I'm on and, and maybe they're on a similar journey and I just don't know it yet. Maybe there's an opportunity for me to, to just extend love in a moment where that's what they need. Maybe there's a moment for me to show them what grace looks like. When everyone in their world is turning their back, maybe it's my opportunity to step in in that part of their journey and say, hey, I'm here for you. But then can we be challenged that when the moment comes to step into truth, to step in to a freedom that will set them to a course and trajectory for eternity that will change everything in their world. So who's coming to dinner in your world? Who's coming to dinner? Where's the invitation? Where's the open door? Let's stop tonight. Let's think for a moment. Who's in your world that's on a journey? Where are you going to intersect? At the invitation? At a conversation? Maybe it's time to show that love, truth, and grace. But people are on a journey all around us. Everywhere I go, everywhere I look, every, every place that I engage in, I need eyes to see the journey that people are on. But I need a boldness to open up, to share with them. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.